Welcome, foolish readers, to a spooky edition of Shit We've Read, brought to you by the creeps at Oblivion Geeks and the ghouls at Milo Network. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Shit Rebred, a sci-fi fantasy book podcast hosted by two friends. This is a very special episode because to get us ready for the spooky season, we are doing a special two-part Minnesota series where we're reviewing a spooky graphic novel. Yay! That graphic novel will be the plot, part one and part two. However, we're focusing on just part one for this episode. And joining me to review this graphic novel is the creepy Laura Benson. Hey, Laura, how's it going? <laughs> Good. Wow. <laughs> no, it was creepy. Yeah. I mean, for spooky season, everybody's creepy. That's a good point. Good point. <laughs> So I am really excited to uh, get into this episode for two reasons. One, you know this. I love Halloween. I love mm-hmm. spooky things. So this is getting me even more excited for Halloween, which by the time we're recording, this is a little over a month and a half away. However, in my heart, Halloween starts September 1st. Yeah, I think most people think that. Believe you- they, they celebrate that. Yeah. Correct. And if you do not believe that, you're wrong. Um, the second reason I'm excited for this is because this is our first graphic novel we're reviewing. Yeah, I'm excited. We've been trying to fit graphic novels in from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who knows our origin story knows, obviously, that comic books and graphic novels play a big part in that. And so uh, from day one, graphic novels are definitely part of the plan. And finally, the... Stars aligned, and here we are. Yeah, and I'm excited too. Like, um, I I don't generally do a lot of horror, mm-hmm. scary stuff, um, but I I am very excited to be getting into this with you to at least start out. Yeah, cool. I mean, I was going to ask you what your what your uh, your history is with horror comics or books in general but you already answered that um so a little more information about this graphic novel we will be reading as i mentioned it is called the plot part one it is the first trade paperback um, of a series published by vault comics slash nightfall nightfall i believe is their horror imprint um, it is written by tim daniel and michael morisi drawn by joshua hickson and it is a horror fantasy graphic novel Laura, do you want to do us a favor and read the Goodreads synopsis? I can do that. All right. In order to receive, first you must give. When Chase Blaine's estranged brother and sister-in-law are murdered, he becomes guardian to Mackenzie and Zach, the niece and nephew he hardly knows. Seeking stability for the children, Chase moves his newly formed family to his ancestral home in Cape Augusta, which overlooks a deep black bogland teeming with family secrets. Mixing the chilling atmosphere of the haunting of Hill House with the gripping terror of The Conjuring, the plot is your next horror addiction. Ooh, next horror addiction. All right. Some some big claims there. Now, before we get into, into anything too spoilery, I just want to know your first reactions. What uh, what'd you think of this? I like it so far. Um, okay. Totally honest. I seriously did not really actually read the synopsis before I read this. 
Oh, you went in blind. I went in totally, almost completely blind. I mean, I knew of this comic from when we had the comic shop, um, but I hadn't read it. Um, So I I wasn't really sure what to expect um, based just on the cover, which for anybody who has seen the cover, I did kind of get that maybe there was something to do with a scary swamp Mm -hmm. (laughs) of some sort. Yeah. but that was all that was all that I kind of got from it. Um, but I, I really like it so far. It starts out with with a decent amount of um, mystery to it, just enough to tease you and, and get you interested from the very beginning. Um, I didn't really know what to expect because I don't really know what to expect for horror. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I was like, I guess anything's going to happen reading this. <laughs> um, but I, I do, I do like it. Now, reviewing graphic novels is slightly different from regular novels because we have the addition of artwork. What were your first impressions of the artwork itself? I, I liked it. Um, I was a little worried for like the darker panels because, you know, when it's darker, you, you can't always tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, I, I did also actually read a physical graphic novel versus on a screen. because I know sometimes depending on your screen levels, definitely can't see all the details. Um, but I do have the physical book and um, I did really like it. You can you can get a lot. You can understand a lot of the emotion or uh, the uh, you can understand a lot of the emotion that is being portrayed for each one of these characters. Um, and the scarier panels are definitely they definitely kind of like gave me some chills sometimes. All right. All right. <laughs> kind of like my lovely background on the Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you haven't yet, go check out our Instagram. We'll post a screenshot of our Zoom backgrounds and uh this one that Laura is using is staring into my soul in not a great way. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, Story-wise, it was okay. It was it was a bit slow for me. Um, it is a two-parter, and so I'm hoping that the second part will pick up pace. It definitely kind of leaves you right, like, right in the middle of, like, the mystery kind of coming in. Um... I'm, I'm trying not to compare it to other books, but for me right away, it seems very much like another graphic, a horror graphic novel I've read, which I think was slightly better. And so mm. right away, it's just like, ah, uh, this is, this is kind of reminiscent of that. And Been I feel there, like I already, that. yeah. So, kind of thing. so yeah, which isn't fair to it, but it's, it is what it is. Uh, in terms of the art, I really enjoyed the art. Um, it's simple. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I think this is very simple artwork, but I think it works for the story because it kind of has more of like an old school feel. Um, The story, this isn't a spoiler, it says right away, it it takes place in 1974. And overall, the story just kind of has like gothic vibes. So the simpler artwork, I think, really works for that. Um, But to your point, it's kind of dark. And so when you get to... I mean, like literally, like visually dark. Um, and yeah. so when you get to some of the even darker scenes, it gets very dark. And and sometimes the simplicity of it um, made me question exactly what I was saying. Like there was a couple parts, like 
am I looking at blood? Am I looking at like this weird point. like goop? Is it icker? I can't really tell because it's all kind of this black. Um, so that's the only kind of, you know, question I had about the artwork. But overall, you know, it's a good start. Um, I'm excited for it. Um, even if I have read something similar to this, I, I'm still totally done for horror stuff, especially during this time of year, which is really the only time I read horror. I only really read horror during Halloween season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think it's pretty good so far. Should we hop into spoilers? Let's do it. Let's just get right into the spoilers. All right. Spoiler zone, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Right away, I thought there was something that happened very early in the book that's like, oh, no, Laura is not going to like this. Um, and it ended up not being quite what I thought it was. What? <laughs> okay. So er- very early on, we were introduced to the character James and his wife. Right. And they are murdered. Right. Within like the first 10 pages. Yes. Um, but the wife is murdered first. The wife is attacked and thrown out the window and she's dead. And <laughs> right away, I was like, oh, is this like a woman in the fridge kind of scenario? Like, is she, her death <laughs> going to push his story forward? He's like, oh, Laura's going to bring this up. <laughs> like, I, I made a note of it. But then the guy dies too. He's like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, they it's both died. Equal opportunity murderings. It's fine. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Fridging is is a, a recent topic we've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I see what I see what you mean. Yeah, but they did end up both dying. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe that was. I I I so I said that it quick, very quickly kind of got me interested, um, but I think it was really just I think it was technically when they died that I was like, okay, what's what's this thing. Um, so yeah, it's some weird, gigantic monster that appears in the house and Mm -hmm. slings them out the window. It kind of looks like a skeletal swamp thing. Yeah. For people who haven't read this yet, you know, like this thing swamp thing, but a little more skeletal. Um, if, if I can tell correctly from the artwork, it has what looks like a noose around its neck. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Um, and then it got weird because it kissed the the father. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what's his name? Char- Charles. Charles. And I was like, "What?" And like the eye on this monster is like wide open during this kiss, and I was like, "This is creepier than <laughs> somehow a lot creepier than I thought." <laughs> yeah. So so the the overall story. So far is um, so we introduced to Charles, who's one of two brothers that we're introduced to. He, he has a wife. Um, Charles owns a pharmaceutical company that um, was it started by his father or did his father run it before him? I forget how many generations back it goes, but it's it's a pharmaceutical company that the family has owned for a little bit, and they're murdered right away by this monster. The couple has two kids, Mackenzie and what was the boy's name? Zach. Uh, Zach. Yeah, so Mackenzie looks like a teenager. Zach looks to be maybe about 10 or something like that. Um, they end up going to live with Charles's brother, Chase. Mm-hmm. And Chase is kind of, um, how do you put this? Like, he doesn't have his shit together. Like, he's still figuring out who he is. Yeah. And so the kids go to live with him, and the sheriff in town is not happy that Chase and the kids are returning back to their ancestral homeland because i guess the family 
is always surrounded by yeah they're shit. very no they're very well known for being trouble is yeah. is basically what the sheriff said yeah wants him to wants them to leave like yeah. literally says you can't stay here yeah like burn the house demolish it. i don't care just get out of here um but you know he's trying to do right by his brother and trying to raise these kids and their family home that's definitely trying some work trying to fix it up and then, of course, and, and all these gothic kind of spooky uh, stories, there's some shit going on with the house. There's some weird stuff. There's some visions. We think they're visions. Maybe they're actually happening. There's there's literal skeletons in the closet. Yep. There's a lot going on. Nothing's really answered. Um, People I mentioned don't early- believe them. Right. And then Chase's, I guess, ex-girlfriend from when they were teenagers. Uh, what was her name? Reese? Yeah, she, she's, uh, she's she a family pops friend. Up out of nowhere. Yeah, she just she has like these visions. No one believes her. No one believes that she has these visions. But she she happens to know. I need to go to the to the house because the boy is drowning. So she shows up right in time to save him from drowning. She she has these visions of like these tapes that are stuck in the wall, but no one's believing her. Um, so there's a lot of weird stuff going on in this world. Yeah, it's like she this this character Reese, like she's seems to be the only one that has like a direct connection to all this weird stuff that's going right. on because like Chase he like he, he I get the feeling like he knows weird stuff is happening, but he doesn't necessarily really believe in any of it, but he's the one that like lived there. But she's the one that's seeing these things and knowing these things and showing up at weird times and, and stuff. So I thought that was kind of weird. And I, I am very interested to to learn more about what happened with her. Mm-hmm. I think the payoff is really going to determine whether I like this or not. So like I, I said, it, it starts a little slow. It introduces all these questions and nothing's really resolved in the, what the, the five issues that are in this trade. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, it reminded me a lot of, um, lock and key. So if anybody's read that graphic novel or watched the Netflix show, the premise of lock and key is the father of a family dies. Um, the kids along with the mother, but they go to live back in their ancestral home with their brother who's taking care of it. And then a lot of spooky stuff starts happening. And so it's like almost the exact same premise. And so I'm really waiting f- to see how this stands apart from that story. So I haven't, I've only watched the Lock and Key show. I haven't read the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to eventually. Um, but I feel like this, if Lock and Key is somewhat accurate, I feel like this graphic novel, the plot, um, might lean more towards actual monsters and, and whatnot. Whereas I think Lock and Key was more like kind of magical. Yeah, if Lock I'm and remembering key was correctly, more, was more, oh, I guess, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I see where you're making that connection between the two, based on yeah. the TV just show. Like this, just the setup. Just like okay, yeah. I, yeah. I've I've been in this kind of setup before. Now now let's see what you do that makes it different. I I now that you're saying now that you say it, it, it did seem a little slow at times. Um, I feel like maybe if this were going to be more than the two volumes having some of those slow moments might be a better payoff mm-hmm. in the long run. Cause it, it kind of 
maybe helps understand the characters more or understand the setting more or whatnot. But being only two, I feel like that pro- the, the story probably could have gone a little bit quicker. A little bit, yeah. So this was in the 1970s? Yeah, 1974 takes place, which raises the question. I don't know anything about the second the second part. I haven't looked into it at all. Right. But um, is it saying specifically this one takes place in 1974 because we're going to have a time jump Ooh. in the second part? Or is it just question. saying this entire story takes place in the 70s? Um, I mean, I hope it doesn't have a time jump. I feel like there's unsolved stuff in this volume, but... <laughs> I, guess I feel like, like it's going to have a time may, jump. I feel like maybe they make such a big fuss to say it's 1974 that it has to be a time jump. Normally, you would just kind of include it in the script somewhere, you know, like May 1974. Okay, it's in the 70s. You got it. I do like um, just pointing out, I do like that there is some a tiny bit of diversity in this and that the mm-hmm. two kids are supposed to be half Chinese, mm-hmm. um, which personally I thought was pretty cool because I'm also half Chinese. <laughs> you know, I felt like you might like that. <laughs> um, and I will, it, I just thought it was interesting too, um, that they acknowledge some of the racial issues that they were, were having back then. Um, yeah. like when Chase was in the, in the bar, Mm-hmm. And somebody said something racist about the kids, um, you know, just acknowledging that they they had struggles that they were enduring beyond this, the, just their weird house shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know, maybe maybe that also is contributing to um, Chase's emotional state through this story, because you know you said that he is not exactly put together. Mm-hmm. He's got some emotional stuff he's got to deal with. Yeah. So suddenly he's got two kids and, you know, he's got a lot of stuff to deal with around them. You know, it's probably definitely making it harder for him to figure out what to do in certain situations. I do really like Chase as a character. Um, he he knows, you know, he's kind of the slacker brother. Um but he really does want to do right by the kids. And, and you can tell that he's making decisions based mm-hmm. on, you know, what the kids need. And and he thinks coming back to this home, even though it's, you know, a fixer upper and it has a lot of work that needs to get done. He really believes that maybe being here is best for the kids. It's a fresh start. It gives us something to do together because he hasn't really been around for the kids. I think they mentioned yeah. they've met him three times. Um. And so he wants to be a better uncle and father figure. Um, and referring to the scene that you mentioned at the bar when there's these, um, these races, basically, you know, giving him shit for having uh, half Chinese, you know, um, niece and nephew, you know, he stands up and he punches them. And it's just, I mean, I'm not going to say the word, but this is their, their commie cheat and it cuts off and he punches them. And you can imagine what the word is. Mm-hmm. And he says it's pronounced American, you illiterate hick. And so he's standing up for them. He's yeah. so I like him a lot. And, and same thing with Reese, his his I guess ex girlfriend who's around. Um, she's also a really good character. Um, yeah, like they they're not obviously they're not together. They've not no. been together since I think it was high school. Yeah. Um, but they, it it shows them throughout this book both 
trying to help take care of the kids. And she's a school teacher, so she mm-hmm. sees them in school. And then like there's there's some panels where it shows that um, she was watching the kids and they all three fell asleep on the couch um, overlooking their land. And then um, later, I thought it was really cute. Um, it was at night and Zach wasn't able to sleep and he went to Chase's room. And then um, uh, Mackenzie went and they both, you know, they all just laid there together and talked and, you know, had like a mini heart to heart kind of conversation. Um, It was just it was really, really cute and actually, you know, showed that he's really trying to make more Mm -hmm. of an actual connection with the kids versus just taking care of them, getting them to school, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it did, it did show that he was, he was more than, um, what we probably expected at the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. It really goes a long way, like to show people the effort you're putting in, right? Yeah. We're, 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 no one's perfect. You know, you, you don't always have to have the answers, but as long as it's clear that you're putting in the effort because you care, I think that goes a long way. And I think the kids in the story are responding to that, um, Especially, you know, having just lost both their parents. Yeah. And and I feel also, too, um, so Zach, Zach is 99% mute. <laughs> Something like Cause, that, yeah. Because he does, he does, he does whisper to the dog. Yeah. In, in, or we don't know if he's actually talking English, but he is whispering to the dog. And then he did, he did yell at one point. Um, towards the beginning, um, but he doesn't really talk other than that. Um, and but with with Mackenzie being a teenager, you know, typical teenager attitude, <laughs> yes, yeah, sass and stuff. Um, she's very sarcastic with her uncle through like the whole thing. Um, but it was nice nice to see her be able to. Um, have more of a conversation with him and then and then in the end towards the end when they when he's going up to check the attic which by the way like don't ever do that (laughs) uh you know she she was like feeling she felt comfortable enough to show her emotion to show that she was scared uh for them and for him and like telling him not to go up there um which I think if something like that had happened earlier, she may not have acted that way. if She didn't have that connection with her uncle yet. Yeah. One of my favorite panels that really shows kind of Mackenzie as a character is when she's first introduced to Reese. And so she asks, so what's the deal with you two? Are you doing it or something? <laughs> or something? I just, just straight to the point. No filter on Mackenzie. You, love you it. might as well. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And then, of course, her uncle Chase is like, oh, well, no. And Reese is a little more like, yeah, well, he used to. <laughs> <laughs> well, she said kind of, didn't she? I think she said, like, kind of, we used to. It says kind of, used to. So, like, maybe they kind of do now occasionally, but they probably used to more often. Like, they used to be a thing. Now it's just kind of maybe friends with benefits okay. kind of thing or when they're lonely, who knows. But the relationship's definitely um, complicated as Facebook would say. Yes, it is very complicated, which there were a few things that I was a little, like you mentioned, there are things you were confused about. Um, I was too. I was a little confused about the timeline sometimes. Um, and then like with, with Reese, 
she said kind of used to, but then when it does the flashback to when they were teenagers, um, she had like wandered off or like kind of wanted like luring him away, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so he was like going to go and follow her, but ended up not happening. <laughs> They did not sleep together. Let's just, no. let's just say it. They did not sleep together. Something else happened. Um, but I thought, like, it sounded like after whatever this incident was, they just, like, weren't really friends anymore. Um, so that's why I was a little confused about her, Reese's response about whether they had been sleeping together or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it definitely doesn't mean they haven't at all after that. Like you just said, maybe they just see each other once in a while, but... It made me think that they were interested in each other, but never actually went beyond that because of their stupid house property. <laughs> Don't you just hate when the house is a cock block? Damn it, house. Like, Bro, come on. <laughs> cock blocking. <laughs> Speaking of the house, one of my biggest gripes with these kind of stories is something's weird with the house, right? Stuff just is not adding up. People just, just leave the house, man. Like <laughs> every single horror story ever, where stuff is going down, just just leave. Yeah. Trust me. The first sign of anything creeping around these walls of mine, or I see a cre- a creature in the shadow, I'm out. Gone. I, nope. Leave. I I don't need to stay here. I can stay with my mom. I can stay with a friend. I you know out. Yeah, I would leave. I would leave. And yeah. I mean, you could try and do something to get rid of whatever's happening in your house, but there's no guarantee they're not going to come back. True. True. <laughs> Call the Winchester boys. Yes. If you do that, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to point out, um, after the parents die, nobody ever refers to their mom. This funeral service is for their dad. Mm-hmm. I think they only mention their mom like once after this. Like everybody's only talking about their dad. And I feel really bad for the mom because nobody cares. Just saying. I was like, wait, did mom not die then? No, well, she's, she's not there. Dead. That's why she's with her. With That's why they're with their uncle. Why is nobody trying to remember their mom? Well, you know, it's it's about the the Blaine family. She's she's just a family by marriage, so And then I thought towards the end when Chase was going into the hospital, whatever that place was, um I thought he was like going to see the mom, like maybe that's why he has the kids. Maybe their mom was just so badly hurt that she can't like she's not really there anymore, but that was wrong because that ended up being his own mom. Mm-hmm. You know, now that you pointed out, everything really is about the dad, Charles. Even even like the one time they they kind of point out a personality trait about one of the kids, she takes after the dad. Mm-hmm. Like Mackenzie, I forgot what the trait is, but yeah, just like you know, just like you. He's like, yeah, everything's all about the dad. It's not like not, they didn't really get anything from the mom other than being Mm-mm. half Chinese. Um, I think there is 
one at one point in one of the panels that shows like a ghostly figure or, or whatever. I think one of those is the mom. Um, cause I think the outfit was what she had worn in the beginning. Um, but I don't remember where that was. Because that was one thing that I was I was trying to pay attention to was what they looked like looked like in in certain situations because we know at one point um, Charles does actually show up and talks to or tries to talk to Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, he thinks it's a dream, but I think it's probably it probably really happened because there's stuff on the floor from it. Um. But I was paying attention to what they looked like because I was like, I wonder if mom is going to show up at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember where that was. We got a whole second part to talk about the mom. Don't even worry about it. They're going to go into sure her backstory. That? They're going to they're gonna really kind of... So? No, probably not. But, you know, <laughs> it might. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I think, you know, obviously we know that this this is about the Blaine family mm-hmm. specifically by blood. So, right. I mean, it would make sense if she's not really part of this afterwards. Um, but it still would have been nice for them to acknowledge more that they lost both of their parents. Yeah. And it's not just about dad. No, that's fair. It's definitely fair. Um, one thing I wanted to point out that I liked about the story early on um when charles is giving his speech and his wife's by his side one of the things he says in his speech that i really liked he says we're giving credence to the idea that mental illness can be as genetic mm-hmm. as the shape of her eyes or the color of her hair and it's really like the fact that it's really addressing that mental illness is real um it's not made up it, it's a real thing that people deal with and and it's nice to just kind of see it addressed as like yeah it's just as genetic as anything else just because it's not because usually there aren't any visual markers for it doesn't mean it doesn't exist and i just thought that was really nice it's a good point i wanted to ask you actually mm-hmm. on that same page at the end of that um speech there he at the end of that page, the last panel, he's looking down like, I don't know, terrified and can't get through the next sentence of his speech. And so his wife steps in and kind of like finishes it up for him. And then he says that Chase, or and that it cuts to him calling the house and Chase doesn't answer the phone mm-hmm. and says that he knows Chase is at the house. What do you think that means? Does he have a connection to the house where he knows? Like like in that in that panel, is he like realizing that Chase is there? I didn't take it so literally that he actually knew the brother was there. Um reading it, I didn't really understand it, but after going through the first volume, my assumption is that they keep hinting that the dad, Charles's dad, Chase's dad, so, the, you know, the kid's grandfather, had his own uh, mental illness, his own demons. Just saying. They don't really say mm-hmm. what they are, just something. And then later in the story, we see that there's some sort of pickled body hitting behind a wall. I feel like 
Charles, at the very least, knows what happened. Maybe the father oh, murdered somebody. Maybe the father, you know, was complicit in hiding something. So I think Charles knows, being the older brother, he's the one that knows. So I think when he's in that speech, when he's talking about his past and, you know, just looking to the past, that that memory kind of came up and kind of spooked him for a second. Um, and then I think he just happens to know that his brother's probably at the house. Like he just wants to check in with his brother. Um, so I, I, mean, I didn't take it as anything too literal of okay. he knows, literally knows his brother's there. But I don't know, because then his brother, the phone's ringing, his brother rips the phone off the wall, which seems like a great overreaction a little, for no reason. Yeah, a little dramatic. So, so there's something, there's something going on that we don't know, and maybe that's something that'll be re- revealed in the second part. Again, um, a, lot, a lot was kind of hinted at and nothing was really um, answered and it got kind of frustrating. Okay, I have one more question. <laughs> okay. I remember I don't know too much about horror, so this That's is fine. interesting stuff, new stuff for me. Um, spoiler, somebody kills the sheriff. <laughs> uh, it's it's Reese, but maybe not Reese? Yeah, she looks possessed maybe, or... Um, in a trance or something it's very confusing for me i mean this is this making it more interesting for sure like it's her but yeah it looks like she doesn't know what she's doing but at at the same time like when she kind of starts looking like herself again she like looks upset maybe um I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just, I'm also thinking back to when she saved um, Zach from the bog. The hand that pulled her out was not her, or pulled him out was not her. So I'm wondering if she, if she is like always possessed, like, or, or there's some kind of, other being that she that that she's sharing this body with um maybe that's why she's having these visions and and whatnot so here's my theory of what i think happening in the story they show that flashback where reese was in the bog she got pulled down she was kissed by this swamp thing monster so was the sheriff so the sheriff when when reese kind of pushes him into the water Oh yeah, my bad. I said killed, but that, I, we don't know if he died. Um, and then also Charles, when he was murdered in the beginning of the story, he was also kissed by this monster thing. I think this monster, whatever it is in the in the bog, when they when it kisses you, can basically get into your mind and has either mm. some control over you, or you're connected. To, maybe at the very least, you're connected to it. I think Charles was trying to run away from that. I think I, I think either Charles and or Charles's father were dealing with this bog monster, um, which is what Charles maybe was thinking of when he was referring to his pastor in his speech. I think the reason Reese knew that Zach was in danger was because they're at the bog. She has a connection to this monster. I think she knows. I need to save Zach from this monster. She knows it was going to happen. Yeah, he, she, he, she knows it was going to happen. So she's rushing there to save Zach from the monster. 
Later on, though, I think the drive of the monster to have Reese do this was so strong that she ends up helping to murder the sheriff because she says, like Magnus, I tried. I think she's saying I tried to fight it, Mm. Um, but ultimately I couldn't. I had to give in. It controlled me. I needed to feed it. It, I think it's it's a, a cycle. So I think, and so I'm assuming in part two, we'll see the sheriff again. Um, But the sheriff will also be either under its control or influenced Mm. by it or something. Yeah, I think whatever's happening happening around this property, I think it has, obviously it's got to do with the bog. Also, just thinking back to the tapes that they listened to that had, was it Chase's dad's voice? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, saying, or oh, I think it was Chase's grandfather. Grandfather. Yeah. Um, something to do with harvesting the peat from the bog. My God, what have I done? That kind of thing. So yeah, I I think whatever's going on is is definitely originating there. Yeah, and I think it's all going to tie back to that the family kind of saying that was taught to the no. you know. The, yeah. the, in order to receive, first you must mm-hmm. give. I'm going to assume that's pretty literal, that the monster, you have to give a part of yourself to the monster in order to receive something. And I don't know what that receiving is. Maybe yeah. maybe the Blaine family in order to get all this wealth and, and success, maybe they got it from the monster, but they have to give part of themselves up. Who knows? But I'm, I'm, I'm positive that line's going to come back in a very literal way. But it does show it does show that um, this has been this has happened through their generations. The, yeah. They're the it looks like specifically the men uh, have had mysterious, gruesome deaths throughout the last like hundred years or something mm-hmm. like that. So poor Charles wasn't even home, and it still got him. I know. Bummer. Okay. Don't go kissing swamp monsters. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. It's good advice, Jason. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Remember here, kids, shit we've read says don't go kissing swamp monsters. <laughs> we should make that our quote for this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what would you rate this? Um, I would say... Maybe a three, three and a half. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't as fascinating as I was hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, or as scary as I was hoping. But Saying I still that, liked it. Yeah, I'd give it a, about a three out of a five. And yeah. I followed your, your lead this time. I didn't rate it on Goodreads <laughs> yet. I was like, I'm going to wait until we discuss it. Although I knew I was going to give it a three. I was like maybe you should talk me out of it but no it's about a three yeah um it's 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 solid enough it's not bad it's just kind of like okay the second part's gonna make or break it for me yeah so we'll see I, I i agree with that even there's even some books out there where i'm like it was okay i i, I gotta read the rest of it before i decide if it was mm-hmm. good <laughs> so currently on goodreads it has a average rating of 3.84 and that's okay. um, out of 138 ratings. So not a whole lot of Goodreads. Hmm. Um, but 8.34 is 
a little higher than we'd give it. Yeah, not too far off. No. Well, I'm excited to read the next one. Yeah, me too. That's gonna that's gonna come out next month. So I'll keep an eye out for that. Well, I think that's it for this one, Laura. Um, thanks so much for reading this with me. I'm super yeah. excited to read the second part next month and keep the uh, keep the spookies going. Yeah, this will be cool. Yeah. Um, as always, if you want to follow along on our own social medias, you can find Laura at aka underscore lb on uh, Instagram or Twitter, and you can find me at jricochet again on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and if you've read this or have any other spooky graphic novels to recommend, uh, please let us know. Um, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. This episode of Shit We've Read has been an Oblivion Geeks production, hosted by Laura Benson and Jason Rico, with music by Joshua Chilton. To join the discussion on this and all other books we've read, find us at Shit We've Read on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For episode transcripts and more information about us, please visit shitweavered.com. This podcast is part of the Bilo Network. Visit bilonetwork.com for more great geeky podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 